destination comes to you by itself. Kripal, who carries all the burden. No one is an enemy. No one belongs to anyone else. Everyone is your very own. For as the Gurbani teaches, all this world was created from one light. O oh, Guru Kapal, the negative power trembles, and death also is nervous in front of whomever has caught hold of your finger. 
Ajayb says, apologize to Kapal if your soul wants happiness. Kapal gave only this message, and even the wind also teaches us this. If you keep walking while doing the Simran, the destination comes to you by itself. Page 203. <laughs> Hey, 
jaga upjau Gurbani patalati hai Samarana karate chale chaloto Anjila kudamila jati hai Kirhaya isandesha teta Alayahi shikalati hai Samarana karate chale chaloto Anjila kudamila jati message and even the wind also teaches us this if you keep walking while doing the Simran the destination comes to you by itself I want to can everyone can hear me all right is that uh, can hear me okay um Seems like is that motor going to run throughout? The air conditioner is on. Oh, is that the air conditioner? <laughs> oh. oh wait a minute! No, I'm not saying to turn that off. Well, I don't really care. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just was just thinking that the noise might make it hard for some people who are near it. But I don't really. I do a lot of speculating, you know. <laughs> All right, dear friends. I will. Um, I wanted to talk on this bhajan tonight. This is perhaps my favorite bhajan. Papu has mentioned that it was also one of Sanchi's favorite bhajans, if not his favorite. So I feel 
I've always loved this one. And the the more I've gone into the message of it, it's it's my feeling that there are certain things that the masters have left us for our use, especially in this period when they're not so easily available. And um, that's today and tomorrow. I do plan to go over some of those things. And this bhajan is one of them. That this is, it's like the secret of the path, you could say. The whole essence of the path is captured in these few words. This is, this is how it seems to me. Anyway, Kripal gave only this message, and even the wind also teaches us this. If you keep walking while doing the Simran, the destination comes to you by itself. It's in, on, when I first heard this particular song, words sounded a little strange. You know, Kapal gave only this message. I mean, I, I heard him talk about a lot of things. They weren't necessarily connected with um, walking and destinations coming to you by themselves. But, you know, if you analyze things down, if you go to the, to the basic common strata of what they are really talking about, this is the message that Kripal gave. Sanchi is absolutely right. And basically, it is a question of the spiritual revolution. That is why, among other reasons, I included this budget in the introduction to this book, The Coming Spiritual Revolution, which I would like to draw everyone's attention to as it is a very remarkable book containing some of my very favorite talks of Master Kripal, many of which I was... I heard him, I was there when he gave them. And Sanchi asked me to prepare an introduction using his words. Well, I had asked him if he would write an introduction, but he said that he had already written it and I should find it, basically. <laughs> he, he didn't quite put it that way, but that was, that was the way that I took it. So I did, I found stuff and uh, put them together. And this budget was was one of them. So the message and the wind, you know, it's like the natural order of things also proclaims this. The wind itself, however, is used for a very specific reason, because the wind always knows exactly what it's doing. It is, there's never any hesitation or any timidity or any, you know, tentativeness on the part of the wind. The wind blows, and it blows exactly where it wants to blow. I, I, I realize that, that, scientifically speaking, it probably doesn't want anything. But um, from our point of view, understanding it as a model, I mean, that's how it acts. It does what it does. And it does it because it always knows exactly where it stands, what it is. It remembers, in other words what its purpose is. And that's the next line, you see. 
If you keep walking while doing the Simran, the destination comes to you by itself. Doing the Simran, obviously this is a term that initiates know that refers to specific repetition of a specific mantra. But the term is much more universal than that. And it means remembrance. And the purpose of Simran, the point of Simran, is to be in a state of remembrance. And when we, we are remembering, right, we're doing Simran is one way. Master Kripal mentioned other ways too in which we can be in a state of remembrance, one of which is to do whatever work we're doing with our full attention, our absolute full attention. Um, if we do whatever we're doing, remembering who we are and what we really want, you see, that is, we are taking a walk, all right, we walk in the light of that. We are, we're doing Simran, but the doing of the Simran is a means to the end of remembering who we are. And this is, is our aim as human beings, is to remember. If we remember, then a lot of things that cause problems for us don't. You know, basically the, the main thing that we are to avoid doing is forgetting. We cannot forget. Sometimes um, Master Kripal says we have to forgive and forget. Right? It takes the man who can forget is a very strong man. Those are all true too, but obviously that's a specialized use of forget. And it is not, it doesn't really have anything to do with, we are in a state of remembrance of who we are, then we will forget a lot of other things because they're not relevant to our purpose. When, uh, when Sherlock Holmes met Dr. Watson for the first time, those of you who are into Sherlock Holmes stories may probably know this. It's in the book called A Study in Scarlet, the first Sherlock Holmes story ever written. Um, Dr. Watson was astonished to find, because he's telling the story, was astonished to find that Holmes did not know that the earth went around the sun. And he, he, he was just astonished at this, just totally appalled. And he said, my God, man, you don't know that the, the earth goes around the sun? Holmes said, no, and now that I know it, I will do my best to forget it. <laughs> and Watson was appalled at that also. He said, why? Holmes said, because I know exactly what I want to accomplish, and my brain is, he said, most people's brains are like attics in which everything is stuffed, and they, they, you know, they have to hunt around to find what they want, but my brain is like an orderly living room in which every, I know where every piece of furniture is. I don't want any extra furniture in there. I want exactly what I want to do what I want to accomplish. And I'm not saying that satsangi should, you know, not know things like that the earth goes around the sun. It would be not maybe such a good thing. But Holmes's attitude struck me. I was in high school when I read it, and it struck me at the time, and, and it always has something, there's something very profound about it. That if you know, if you know enough, if you know yourself well enough, 
to know exactly what you want to accomplish and what your purpose in life is, then you you act with assurance. You know, you know that this follows this, and this is what I should do here, because you see it all in the light of the whole, W-H-O-L-E. You see that very clearly. And Holmes is just a, a fictional, you know, example of something like that. But in the case of, of people on the path, I mean, we are human beings who have, to some extent, somehow, remembered enough about who we really are to begin to take steps to move in that direction. We may not have taken many steps, we may not have gotten as far as we like, all of that is possible, but we did remember enough to know that this is what our life is about, and the more we can remember that, the more we can remember why we took initiation in the first place, you know, what it was like when we sat in front of the Master, you know, what it meant when we felt his love, you know, how it worked when we realized that he really loved us regardless of worth on our part. It didn't matter what we had done or not done. The Master loved us, and we knew that. And we still know it, you see. Remembering here is perhaps a little weak. It's like recalling or reliving or recreating the whole, the whole sequence of events in which we saw, we saw and see the purpose of our life and the purpose of the universe. You know, that the core of the universe is love. This is what Rabia said. Rabia was the great Sufi master that Master Kapal and Sanji both quoted a great deal and told stories about it. And she said it was her formulation, the core of the universe is love. And that has remained a Sufi state saying ever since, attributed to her. So, it's a question of, this is why, you see, if we do what we do, remembering what it's all about, who we really are, what God wants from us, what he has already given us, then it isn't a, we don't have to worry about what's going to be accomplished or where we're going to go. The point is to remember. And if we remember the destination will indeed come to us by itself. Because really we're not going, you see, anywhere. There is no destination. There is no beginning place. It's just us. And we are either in remembering God or we are forgetting Him. If we are remembering Him, then to the degree that we remember, we are already at the destination. It's like when we love, we are already at the destination. Not in the fullest possible sense, maybe, but love, as Dorothy Day used to say, love is both the means and the end. Because love is the way, 
and God is love. The love is the core of the universe, but it's also the way to the core. So when we love, we are already there. And remembrance is like a form of that love. Because when we remember, what are we remembering? Basically, we are remembering we are remembering that we love God. I, and maybe more to the point that he loves us. This is in the Bible, folks. This is not something imported from exotic India. This is uh, right in the middle of the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Very famous part. I'm sure you've all heard it many times. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. The Lord alone, it says here. There's different translations of that sentence. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Take to heart these words which I enjoin on you today. Drill them into your children. Speak of them at home and abroad, whether you are busy or at rest. Bind them at your wrist as a sign, and let them be as a pendant on your forehead. Write them on your doorposts of your houses and on your gates. In other words, never forget them. Do anything, anything to remember that the main point of everything is to love God with all our soul and our heart and our strength. That's the point. That's what it means that love is the core of the universe. See, if we can do that, and the way to remember to do that is to not forget. You know, it's like, this is what, you know, do it. No matter what it takes, do it. So it's not a new thing. You know, it is an old, old teaching. The fort of deceit will be destroyed in this world because walls of sand do not last. This is, you know, this is a point that we, we've all had a tremendous um, awakening in the last few months as to how, how um, easy it is to destroy something that seems very solid and huge. We, too, we do tend to be sucked into the illusion that because something seems to be um, permanent and major and enormous that it really is. And what Sanchi is saying here is that this is very illusory. The walls of sand, the things of history, okay, the, the things that seem to count, big buildings, positions of power, people even benevolent uh, positions of power, people, kings who have to, you know, do things that are very kingly. Um, all of this, there is a fundamental, because it seems so important, this is real stuff, this is what history is about, but that isn't really true. You know, that is, that is the nature of illusion, is to think that these things 
are the important things. They may be interesting things. You know, I love history. I read it all the time. I'm reading it now. I um, teach it too. Or, well, no, I still teach it. But I have found, <laughs> I was going to say I used to, but I do still. I am still. I'm still teaching. Um, I find that more and more, I mean, in the world history class that I'm teaching now in the ninth grade, starting with the Crusades, I do cover all the stuff that you would expect to be covered. Um, we're now, we're right now, we're heading into the age of exploration and the slave trade and all that stuff, that period. But I also, I find more and more, I'm the real people, the real thing that happened in the 12th century, for example, is not the Crusades, although those, those were enormously important on one level, but that the, it was the impulse that went into them that was a perversion of them, that is, the, the Crusades were a perversion of the impulse, but that same impulse went into the cathedrals, okay, which, you know, they may be also walls of sand. I don't say that they're not, but they were certainly built out of the love of God. And they also went into the life of people like St. Francis of Assisi, who really, in my opinion, ruled over the century. And later on, we, I find that I spend more and more time on Joan of Arc, you know, who, who more and more reminds me of Guru Gobind Singh, and her same willingness to uh, use war as a means of liberating the people who are helpless, who had no one to come to their rescue. And this seems to me, these seem to me the important people. You know, this is the important stuff. There was a, a Jewish scholar, Gershom Sholem, wrote a book, or actually was written about him, called Kabbalah, History and Counter-History. Okay, the idea is that there is history, and then if you go into the mysticism of the world, you find that there is a counter-history. In other words, what is the important thing that happened in the 20th century, you see? Any of us might say, well, um, you know, Sawan Singh uh, sending Kher Singh Sosmas over to America in 1911 and, uh, and authorizing the first initiation of any Westerner. That would be a major event. Kripal Singh making the first tour of any uh, um, Indian master ever yet. That would be really important. Sanchi spending uh, five or six uh, different uh, tours uh, in various parts of the Americas and initiating, you know, thousands and thousands of people and so forth, that would be important. And, of course, for each of us, the thing that is most important is the fact that we got initiation from the Master. Now, nobody, you know, who is not aware of these particular figures would agree with that, you know. Some of them might recognize it, like they might say, well, the most important thing that happened was, um, you know, Gandhi's uh, showing of what nonviolence can do 
and so forth. And I would agree that that is also part of counter-history. You know, that's one of the overlaps. Uh, but they wouldn't get any further than that. And, you know, things like Martin Luther King and, and uh, other people, various parts of the world, who are, you know, taking uh, what Gandhi taught them and making use of it. These are important, and they do run counter. But but what people will think of as really important over and over again is you know the, the power plays, the power grabs of this dictator or that, the the surprise, the ambush attacks, um, the economic movements, and that stuff. And that's okay, but you know from the point of view of what the purpose of the universe is. That's walls of sand. It doesn't last. And if we put our faith in it, we will find that out. Yeah, it's, it's like we can use that stuff, we can learn it, we can make use of it any way that, that we can. It's there, it's, it's part of the stuff of life that we, can, that we can handle as we see fit. But to put our faith in it, to think that it's what counts, and that it's long-lasting and major and eternal, no, this, this won't work. And uh, that's what Sanchi is saying here, you see. There are so many sins with you. You are a great sinner. Hail the power of almighty Kripal, who carries all the burden. And here, you see, I mean, okay, so we're all great sinners, all right? I won't argue the point. Um, some of us might not be great sinners. We might be middle-sized sinners or something like that. But we're probably, we're all short of what we would like to be. And if we, you know, want to find stuff we've done that we're ashamed of, it's not hard to do. And I can find things very easily that make me shudder, you know, that I ever did that or said that. And we can all get into this. And here is where the fact is that we have to remember, you see. We remember the love that is at the core of the universe, and we understand that it does not matter that we are great sinners, because Almighty Kripal carries all the burden. In other words, it isn't that we can't, we can't stay in it, we can't remain rooting around in our sins, okay? We have to... We have to grow, we have to rise above them, we have to transcend all that. But what we don't have to do is remain mired in the, in the rut of reward and punishment. You know, you're a good guy, go two paces this way. You're a bad guy, back to jail. You know, it's like Monopoly game, which is, which is the way the negative power, you know, it's the way the negative power's universe is set up. And if we, if we um, get into that, you see, uh, we can never get out of it. But because Almighty Kripal, and Almighty Kripal means the Almighty Merciful One, you know, the embodiment of mercy, because he carries that burden for us, he takes on that karma of ours that we can't handle ourselves in order to make sure that we get out of this mess because, and there's no other reason, you see, 
because he loves us. He loves us. And that's why he's willing to do it. He loves us. And that's people what we can never forget. See, that's what we've got to remember. That's what doing doing Simran is really all about. Remembering that the Master loves us enough to take on the burden of our sins so that we can get out from under them because we can't do it by ourselves. And that, that's his job, that's his purpose. It's his aim. It's what the Master comes into the world to do. Sanchi said at one point, the Master comes down to love. He, he wants to love. And this is where the objects of love are, is down here, the bottom of the universe, in the physical plane. So he comes in order to love us. The form that his love takes is that he wants to show us who we really are and to take us home. And he does. And he won't let anything stand in that way. And that is why, you see, um, a lot of, there's a lot of confusion about the way the Master works in some of these ways. But, I mean, you know, our fake karma tends to happen to us. It's built into the, the fabric of the present life, and there's really nothing that any of us can do about it. As the Master used to say, if, if, if the fake karma is interfered with, you disappear. You know, you're not, you just sort of disintegrate into thin air because it's, it's like the, the reason for your life is destroyed. The pattern that you came in on is not there anymore. So that can't be interfered with. But what the Master does, and this is like the ultimate joke that he plays on the negative power, and it really is kind of a joke, is kind of like the curse on Kyle that is talked about in the book The Ocean of Love. He takes whatever happens to us and patiently, lovingly, without allowing anything to stand in the way, he uses it for our spiritual advantage. And he shows us how that we can do the same. In other words, how we can react to what happens to us so that we are benefited by it, not hung up by it. This is what the thing that um, I have quoted a lot, the Master wrote me, and everyone knows that Master said this, please know it for certain that everything that comes to your account is in your best spiritual interest. That's what is meant. This is what he's talking about. This is why. Because it comes to our account as a result of things we have no control over. But Master, part his his like his, his obligation, his 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 purpose in connecting with us is to use that so that we can grow from it and not just be either bowed down in suffering or exulting in, in uh, you know, triumph, either one of which can be extremely <coughs> difficult for our future spirituality. He, sh he shows us, he, he does it, and he also shows us how to do it, uses it for our spiritual advantage. In other words, if we are able to 
respond to something that happens to us with love, if we are able to remember at each point who we are and what we are, regardless of what fate karma is hitting us at what particular point, then the fate karma itself is transformed. It does not, it is not what the negative power or maybe we at some point thought it was going to be. Suppose we are to, I mean, the, the, the very well-known story of the two meditators under the people tree is, is um, extremely relevant. You know, there are two meditators. Sanchi used to tell this story. Sometimes he would laugh a lot when he would tell it. There were two meditators, and uh, they had both been there a long time. And the people tree is a huge tree that grows in India, has lots of leaves, billions maybe. And um, big, big, wide-spreading tree. They were meditating under it, and Narada came by. And Narada was someone who was called like a messenger of God. He went back and forth between God and the world. And they hailed him and asked him to, next time he saw God, ask him for them how long it would take them to achieve liberation to break through, to, to reach enlightened liberation from the cycle of births and deaths. So he said he would, and he did. And God said, well, the first one, tell him that it will take him six more years. And he said, the second one, you tell him to count the leaves on the people tree under which he is sitting, and it's going to take that many more years for him to reach enlightenment. So Narada went back very dubious about um, how this was going to be received, and he uh, went to see the first guy, and he thought, this is pretty good news. And he went in and told him, well, God says it'll be six more years. And the guy got furious. And he, he began to beat on him and threw him out of his hut. And he said, um, six more years? I've been sitting six years already and it's going to take six more? What is this? What kind of a fake path is this? And like that. And he was beside himself with rage, jumping up and down. And Narada ran away. And he went to the second guy and he thought, oh my God, what is this guy? If, if the first guy was so upset over, <clears throat> over over that piddling little six years. What is this guy going to do? He's going to count the leaves of the people tree. And he he met the guy. The guy invited him in, and he went in, and uh, he was very, Sanchi always used to say, he was very uh, um, cautious. Yeah. He'd, like, he wouldn't go in very far past the door because he was afraid he was going to get bashed. So he kept his getaway open and like that. And the, the, the meditator was very polite and he offered him tea, which the first guy hadn't done. And finally, Narada steeled up his courage and he told him what God had said. You have to count the leaves of the people tree under which you are sitting and it's going to take that many more years for you to reach liberation. And the guy began to laugh and dance. He was so happy. Narada was astonished. What's going on? And the, the guy said, well, thank God. At least I know it's going to happen. I have God's promise that it will come. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. He was so happy 
that he, he began dancing in such a paroxysm of joy that Sanchi said he was liberated right then. He went right up. And that's a, I mean, in his fate karma was, you know, those leaves of the people tree. But the way he reacted to them totally changed the point. So because he, he changed the, the um, you could say the diagram or the, 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 what's the word I want, the blueprint of, the, of his life by working, going deep enough and altering it right down at the point where it was formed in the first place, he got what he wanted. And, and yet, nothing was really changed, you see. It was just his attitude was the only thing that was different. So, Master tries to do that for us, you know, all the time. And he tries to show us the things he tells us, the commandments, are not really things like, don't do this, and this is bad if you do this, or like that. They're not really like that. But they are ways to remember. They are ways to to make use of the things that happen to us. If we respond to the things that happen to us with love, then we have a chance of getting what we want. The destination may well come to us by itself, you see. Remember, well, Master says this, okay, I'll, I'll try to meet this person lovingly, even though they give me very little room to do that. I'll do my Those three words really jumped into my brain. Because and I learned, I realize how much I have learned by failing. You know, failure is education. That's how we learn. And from the point of view of the master, it doesn't matter if it takes us a whole lifetime to learn what we've got to know. You know. It's Master Kripal used to say, I believe he quoted Kabir, that if you fell down while walking, that was not that was not a bad deal, you know, because you, when you picked yourself up, you had gone a body length further on. If the person who sits and never starts, that's the one that's, uh, that can be laughed at, or could be something like that. Not the one who falls down. So you can't learn swimming on water. Uh, excuse me, you can't. Water is precisely the way you're supposed to learn swimming. You can't learn it on dry land, is what I was going to what I was going to say. And uh, sometimes we have to fail. But, you know, the remembrance that's involved in trying, in failing, in recognizing that we failed, and in picking ourselves up and starting off, the thing that makes it all come together is our remembering who we really are and what we really want and what we are really doing here. Those are the things that that count. No one is an enemy. No one belongs to anyone else. Everyone is your very own. For as the Gurbani teaches, all this world was created from one light. Okay, this is my favorite verse in the hymn, in the bhajan. And uh, these are the lines. It's a poem of Kabir that's in the Guru Granth Sahib. 
And uh, both Kripal and Sanchi quoted this quite a bit. God first created the light. We are all children of the light. The whole creation sprang from the light. Why then dub anyone as evil? That God created. Anyone who comes from God can possibly be evil. They may be forgetting. They probably are forgetting. So do we forget sometimes. If you forget more, then you do things which are truly against your own self-interest and hurt others. Well, that's, that's what forgetting does. That's why we should remember not to. But it is still, it's not a question of evil. The path, you know, is universal. It really is. And it is, uh, in its core, is an assumption that is not always stated, but it sometimes is stated. But it's there. And that is that the entire universe will be reconciled to God. In other words, every single person who was ever born will become, will join with God at the end, sooner or later, somehow or other. At some point it will happen. No one will be left out. There is no exclusiveness. Exclusion. Okay? It is radically inclusive. This is the, including, by the way, the negative power, who, if we read books like The Ocean of Love, we puzzle through you know, some of the things. It doesn't make sense to us if we're thinking in cliché terms. But Kal is one of the 16 children of Satpurush. And it is clear that his father loved him. And he will not punish him. He gives him what he wants, even though it involves other people. He loves them, but he loves him too. And he's not going to not love him. And sooner or later, he will pull him back. I mean, a great many things may have to happen. But a great many things may have to happen to a lot of us before we get pulled back. So it's, it's, there is no external, you know, the evil comes from forgetting. And really it's as simple as that. When we forget, then we do things that other people perceive as evil. When others forget, they do things that other people perceive as evil. And when we say, hey, you're evil, and we put our attention on that like that, then we forget even more. And we compound the difficulty. It has to stop someplace. So, that is what Sanchi's talk, The Enemy Within, which is published in the book, The Ambrosial Hour. It's a wonderful talk on this subject about how there is no enemy without. He says that at one point. The enemy is our own mind. Why is that? Because our mind, so-called, is the agency that is actively involved in forgetting. Right? It is our soul, or I prefer the word spirit, actually, which is actively involved in remembering. And it is of the utmost importance 
let the mind not win that particular battle. But that's where our enemy is. Our enemy is what makes us forget. And that's our mind, you see. Oh, Guru Kapal, the negative power trembles, and death also is nervous in front of whomever has caught hold of your finger. Ajayb says, apologize to Kapal if your soul wants happiness. Again, the way things appear, the negative power appears extremely powerful and very major to us in the three worlds. You know, he is... He presides over the three worlds and he really calls all the shots. And yet, he is nervous, he trembles because of Guru Kapal, the merciful master. Okay? Because when the invasion of love occurs, and that's what happens when a master enters the lower planes, and they've been doing that, you know, always the master is here. So it's always like Kyle's three worlds are not as self-contained as he would wish. That when the master is here, it's like the invasion of love has entered into the world of justice, so-called, where everything is done to exactly according to merit and where people are given exactly what they deserve and they are rewarded or they are punished. And the master doesn't do any of that. He doesn't give anybody what he deserves. He doesn't reward. He doesn't punish. He does nothing because of merit. He loves. He loves us by virtue of our being, not by virtue of our actions. Our being comes first, and he loves us because of that. And, you know, and a lot of us know this. I mean, a very large number of us have had this experience that this is how the Master loves us. I've, I've had it a lot. And I, I, um, all I can say is that of all the things that's important to remember, it's perhaps most important to remember that. I remember, I've often told the story that um, one time when I was in India in 1972, before the 1972 tour, it was in February, and I was so miserable because I was, at the one hand, uh, Judith didn't go with me, and um, I had sort of made that happen. And uh, um, I pretty much not heard her, I guess. And somehow when I got over to India, I, was, I missed her so much. I wanted her to be there so badly. At the same time, I felt that I was failing so badly. This was such a an egregious victory of attachment. You know, how, how could I be doing that? And um, I was struggling with this and struggling with it and struggling with it. And uh, one night it so happened that I got over to the porch in front of Master's house where he used to come out and give us darshan a little early. And just as I got to the porch, it began to rain. And it rained... Um, it rained pretty steadily for a few minutes. And just as it started to rain, Master came out. 
and he sat down and he motioned me to sit down and we were absolutely private because the rain was going to keep others from coming at least for a while and he looked at me and he said look here when thoughts of loved ones come up don't not love them love them for the sake of the one who gave them to you then you'll be fine and I, you know, I, he, I hadn't said a word, you understand, not a word. He had addressed directly my heart, and I realized that he could look in and see everything that I am and did and was without any problem at all. And I, I said, Master, you look into the depth of my heart, and you know exactly where I'm at, and you love me anyway. You love me anyway. He just laughed. He sat there and laughed, because he does. It doesn't bother him what he sees. You know, he sees it in perspective, and that's what we have to do, people, too. You see, when he looks at us, he doesn't forget who we really are. He knows we're children of God. Sanchi used to say, sometimes in the early days, uh, when people would still test him somewhat and like that, and be skeptical about successorship and so forth, People would say to him, I look into your eyes and I don't see my master there. This used to absolutely infuriate me because because that's exactly who I saw when I looked into his eyes. But that's all right. And that was not my problem. I didn't have to worry about them. And he would say, he would invariably reply, well, I'm sorry because when I look into your eyes, I see my master there. And uh, he would mean it. And he would. He would see the Master there. When the Master looks at us, he sees who we really are. And the, the whole point of remembering and having the destination get to us and so forth is to remember who we really are. And you see, if people do that in the three worlds, Okay, the three worlds that are caught up in all this suffering and torture and, and, and you know, triviality and nothingness and stuff that we're all enchained to and enslaved by. If enough people are in the three worlds who are see beyond that, then what will happen is what Master Kripal calls the spiritual revolution. It's exactly what spiritual revolution is. is a revolution of remembering who we really are. Not just us. I mean, not just one person, me. But that person remembering who everyone else is too. That's what the essence of the spiritual revolution is. is the ability to recognize that God resides in every heart. And to act on that. To act according to that to treat people as though that were reality. And that makes the negative power very nervous because his whole world of the three worlds is founded on the illusion that um, people are not like that. And once the love that is at the core of the universe becomes active in the three worlds, it's like the, the so-called justice that is the Thing that, that governs what happens 
from one life to another and so forth, the whole law of karma and all that. As Sawan Singh used to say, apparently it was his favorite saying, and everyone who knew him quotes him, where there is love, there is no law. Okay? Love cancels out law. And that is the, this makes the negative power very nervous. And death, who is, after all, one of the functions of the negative power, the way death works in the three worlds anyway, is also very nervous because their identity depends on people not realizing this or forgetting it. So it's a question of remembering. You know, Dorothy said, if you remember in the movie, my favorite movie, at the very end, after she has got back to Kansas, she's talking to her aunt, and she says, All I ever said, he, she, some of it was beautiful, most of it was beautiful. Some of it was scary, but most of it was beautiful. But all I kept saying to everybody was, I want to go home. And they sent me home. And that's all we have to do, folks. I want to go home. That's what I want. And they'll send us home. If we really want it, we will have it. That's what the path is. And the destination will come to us by itself. Because everything that we do will be done in the light of that. In the light of that remembering. Alright, that's... Uh, um, I do want to play a section of the tape. Um, this is... We talked about my favorite budget. Now we're going to hear part of my favorite tape. Okay, I, I have this, this power to inflict my favorite things on everybody. Um, I, I love this, this. If I had one talk um, and I was told I could listen to that one talk but no other, this would be the one I would pick. Quite short. It's only a half hour totality. And we'll hear half of it tonight and the other half tomorrow. But it's one of the last talks Sanchi ever gave. It's um, um, given on February, I think it's 14th, uh, 1997. The farewell, it was his farewell talk. There was a bhajan session, and then he gave, this was the February group at the SKA retreat, and he gave this talk. It was not expected. It was billed as a bhajan session. We had been to Delhi that day for satsang at Mr. Oberoi's place. Um, it was actually outdoors in a park-like affair, but it was very near Mr. Oberoi's house. He had arranged it. Everyone was tired, but we got back and we went to the gathering place and Sanchi was there. We sang bhajans for about half an hour. And then he stopped the bhajans and he gave this talk. And uh, it was something. I mean, it's one of those things he's left us. You know, I do believe that what he says in this talk, if we put it together with what he says in the bhajan that I've been commenting on, that um, we'll see. He knows. You know, he knew what was going to happen, and he 
uh, was giving us what we needed, what perspective we needed to have, and talking about the things that was most important. So let us hear approximately 15 minutes, and that will be the end of the of the session. <coughs> हाँ भाई बहुत अच्छे सब प्रेमियों के बड़े प्यारे मिठे गुरु प्यार परे पजन है बड़ा दिल खुश होया सानु पता है के गलना करने यार दी जिते ओ सवाद रुकार नहीं जिते आप दे परम प्यारे भी कोई गल ना करे वो समाज बैठना ही गुनाह है तुसी देख लो जिदे नाल थोड़ा प्यार होवे उन्हीं गल्ला सुन दिया दिन रात ना जी अक्के ना थक्के ना टाइम दे पता लगे के कद वीत गया है कि मैं वीत दा है very good the bhajan sung by all the dear ones were very good very sweet full of the love of the master and I like them very much. <clears throat> the place where your beloved is not talked about, that congregation, that meeting is not acceptable to us. You know the place where they don't talk about our beloved, we don't like to go there and it is like a sin to attend such a meeting where the beloved is not remembered and the beloved is not talked about. When we talk about our beloved one, we do not know that how the time went by, how the time passed. Neither we feel the boredom, nor do we feel tired. We never feel exhausted. And we never remain aware that how long it has been that we have been talking about the Beloved. Pyaariyo, Badi Echambe di baat hai, Saavan de charna vich, Mein bhi bachpane tu janna hai, Janda reha hai, Uthi Paramatma Karpal si, मैं ना दे काफी सारे पजन जो ताईजी जाके सुनाऊंगी हिंदी सीखी मैंने सुनाना मौका मिलया लेकिन ये नहीं पता सीखा कि पेवेच्वेच जिस दाए पजन बोली दा है इसने ही मेरी आत्मा नूठंड बर्तावनी है Dear ones, it is a very surprising thing that even though I used to go in the feet of Master Baba Saman Singh Ji since my childhood and Master Kripal Singh was also over there and even though I had heard many bhajans written by Master Kripal Singh which were sung by Taiji but at that time I did not know that these bhajans, these words are written by that great master who is going to bring the coolness to my heart later on in the future. मैंने परमात्मा सावन दे नेडे होके बड़ा देखन्दा मौका मिलिया है कोना दे चरना दे विच वध वध संगत करन्दा मौका मिलिया है प्यार नालक बच्चियां दी तरह मैंने कोना दे चरना नू हाथ लाऊंडा दे मौका मिलता रहा है I got many opportunities to come very close to Master Saman Singh and to see him from very close and just like a child I got many opportunities to touch his feet and I got many privileges, many opportunities to come very close to Master Savan Singh and hear him. Maharaj Savan Singh da, Piyar, Joho, 
ਆਮ ਦਿੰਦੇ ਸੀ ਸੰਗਤਾਂ ਨੂੰ ਉਹ ਬਿਆਨ ਤੋਂ ਬਾਹਰ ਹੈ ਜਿਹੜਾ ਉਹ ਹਾਸਾ ਕਰਦੇ ਸਨ ਹੱਸਦੇ ਸੀ ਐਸਾ ਲੱਗਦਾ ਸੀ ਜਿਵੇਂ ਸਾਰਾ ਸਰੀਰ ਹੀ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦਾ ਹੱਸਦਾ ਹੈ ਜਿਵੇਂ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦੇ ਮੂੰਹ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚੋਂ ਫੁੱਲ ਕਿਰਦੇ ਹੈ ਉਹ ਹੱਸਦੇ ਵੀ ਮੋਹ ਲੈਂਦੇ ਸੀ ਤੁਰਦੇ ਵੀ ਮੋਹ ਲੈਂਦੇ ਸੀ ਗਾਲੋ ਕਿਸੇ ਹੋਰ ਨਾ ਕਰਦੇ ਹੁੰਦੇ ਸੀ ਕੰਬਣੀ ਕਿਸੇ ਹੋਰ ਨੂੰ ਜਿਹੜੀ ਹੁੰਦੀ ਸੀਗੀ ਉਹ ਬੜੇ ਹੁਸ਼ਿਆਰੇ ਨਾਲ ਅੱਖਾਂ ਦੇ ਨਾਲ ਹੀ ਜਾਂਦੇ ਜਾਂਦੇ ਸਮਝਾ ਜਾਂਦੇ ਸੀਗੇ ਦ ਲਵ ਵਿਚ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਸਾਵਨ ਸਿੰਘ ਜੀ ਯੂਸਡ ਟੂ ਪੋਰ ਆਊਟ ਐਂਡ ਗਿਵ ਟੂ ਦ ਡੀਅਰ ਵਨਸ ਵਾਸ ਬੀਯੰਡ ਐਨੀ ਡਿਸਕ੍ਰਿਪਸ਼ਨ ਇਟ ਕੈਨ ਨਾਟ ਬੀ ਡਿਸਕ੍ਰਾਈਬਡ ਇਨ ਦ ਵਰਡਸ ਐਂਡ ਵੈਨ ਹੀ ਵੁਡ ਲਾਫ ਹੀ ਵੁਡ laugh in such a way that it would feel that as if his whole body is laughing and the flowers it always would seem like the flowers were coming out of his mouth when he was laughing many times he would attract the souls with his smiles and with his laughs many times he would attract the souls by his walking many times he would be talking to someone else but someone else would be feeling the intoxication there you ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦੇ ਬੜੇ ਉੱਚੇ ਭਾਗ ਸਨ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦਾ ਬੜਾ ਹੀ ਸੁਭਾਗ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਨੂੰ ਪ੍ਰਾਪਤ ਸੀਗਾ ਜਿਨ੍ਹਾਂ ਨੇ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦੇ ਚਰਨਾਂ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਬੈਠ ਕੇ ਆਨੰਦ ਮਾਣਿਆ ਜਿਨ੍ਹਾਂ ਨੇ ਇੱਕ ਵਾਰੀ ਵੀ ਸੂਰਤ ਪਿਆਰ ਨਾਲ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦੀ ਤਕਲੀ ਉਹ ਭੁੱਲ ਨਾ ਸਕੇ ਤੁਸੀਂ ਮੇਰੇ ਇੱਕ ਸ਼ਬਦ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਵੀ ਪੜਦੇ ਹੋ ਕਿ ਜਿਸ ਤਰ੍ਹਾਂ ਦਾ ਉਹ ਮੈਂ ਮਸ਼ਕਾਉਂਦਾ ਹੱਸਦਾ ਦੇਖਿਆ ਮੈਂ ਭਲਾ ਨਾ ਸਕਿਆ ਡੀਅਰ ਵਨਸ ਫੋਰਚੂਨੇਟ ਵੈਰ ਦ ਸੋਲਸ ਹੂ ਗਾਟ ਦੀ ਓਪਰਚੁਨਿਟੀ ਟੂ ਸਿਟ ਐਟ ਦ ਫੀਟ ਆਫ ਬਿਲਵਰਡ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਸਾਵਨ ਸਿੰਘ ਦੇ ਹੈਡ ਵੈਰੀ ਗੁੱਡ ਫੇਟ ਦੇ ਹੈਡ ਵੈਰੀ ਗੁੱਡ ਫੋਰਚੂਨ ਦੈਟ ਦੇ ਵੈਰ ਏਬਲ ਟੂ ਗੋ ਐਂਡ ਸਿਟ ਇਨ ਹਿਸ ਫੀਟ ਐਂਡ ਦੋਸ ਹੂ ਸਾ ਹਿਮ ਈਵਨ ਵਨਸ ਇਫ ਐਨੀ ਵਨ ਸਾ ਹਿਮ ਵਿਦ ਮਚ ਲਵ ਐਂਡ ਫੇਥ ਇਨ ਹਿਮ ਹੀ ਕੁਡ ਨਾਟ ਫਰਗੈਟ ਹਿਸ ਫਾਰਮ ਇਨ ਵਨ ਆਫ ਦ ਬਜਨਸ ਆਈ ਹੈਵ ਰਿਟਨ ਦੈਟ the way he smiled the way he was if anyone saw him even for once with love he could not forget him pyareo satsang hunde vich hi aam bachiyan di tarah premi sawal kar lende sige oh das de bade haske das dinde lekin jadon jaade assi sawal vagaira karde si to phir oh kende hunde sige ki mainu jaade mushrao nahi main jatt hai ਜੱਟ ਦੇ ਛੋਟ ਵੀ ਬੜੀ ਹੁੰਦੀ ਹੈ ਲੇਕਿਨ ਜੇ ਉਹ ਛੋਟ ਨਾ ਕਰੇ ਤੇ ਜੱਟ ਕਰੜਾ ਵੀ ਬੜਾ ਹੁੰਦਾ ਹੈ ਡਿਊਰਿੰਗ ਦ ਸਤਸੰਗ ਮੈਨੀ ਟਾਈਮਸ ਦ ਡੀਅਰ ਵਨਸ ਵੁਡ ਆਸਕ ਹਿਮ ਦ ਕੁਐਸਚਨਸ ਐਂਡ ਲਾਫਿੰਗ ਸਮਾਈਲਿੰਗ ਐਂਡ ਵਿਦ ਮਚ ਹੈਪੀਨੈਸ ਹੀ ਵੁਡ ਆਨਸਰ ਦੋਸ ਕੁਐਸਚਨਸ ਈਵਨ ਵਾਈਲ ਹੀ ਵਾਸ ਡੂਇੰਗ ਦ ਸਤਸੰਗ ਬਟ ਮੈਨੀ ਟਾਈਮਸ ਵੈਨ a lot of people would ask him the questions when there would be many questions then he would even say like well don't take me for granted because i am a farmer the farmer if he wants he can give you a lot of concession and if he wants if he doesn't want he will not give you even a little bit of concession so don't take me for granted just be reasonable jeda ohna da pyara nadi putra parmatma karpal si eh hamesha hi ਜਦ ਕਿ ਤੇ ਐਸੀ ਬਾਤ ਚੱਲਦੀ ਸੀ ਤਾਂ ਉਹ ਕਹਿੰਦੇ ਸੀਗੇ ਕਿ ਵੀ ਦੇਖੋ ਮੈਂ ਅਕਾਊਂਟੈਂਟ ਰਿਹਾ ਹਾਂ ਪਾਈ ਕਟੀ ਤੇ ਕਟੀ ਕਿਉਂ ਵਧੀ ਤੇ ਵਧੀ ਕਿਉਂ ਆਏ ਹਿਸ ਬਿਲਵਰਡ ਸਨ ਹਿਸ ਸਪਿਰਚੁਅਲ ਸਨ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਕਿਰਪਾਲ ਸਿੰਘ ਵੈਨੇਵਰ ਹੀ ਵੁਡ ਟਾਕ ਅਬਾਊਟ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਸਾਵਨ ਸਿੰਘ ਐਂਡ ਵੈਨੇਵਰ ਹੀ ਵੁਡ ਟੈਲ ਮੀ ਅਬਾਊਟ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਸਾਵਨ ਸਿੰਘ ਆਲ ਥੀਸ ਥਿੰਗਸ ਹੀ ਵੁਡ ਟੈਲ ਮੀ ਥੈਟ ਯੂ ਨੋ ਥੈਟ ਆਈ ਐਮ ਆਈ ਹੈਡ ਬੀਨ ਐਨ ਅਕਾਊਂਟੈਂਟ ਐਂਡ ਇਫ there is one penny less why it is less and if there is one penny more why it is more i need to know the accounts 
ਪਿਆਰੋ ਡੈਰੀ ਇਸੇ ਹੀ ਕਥਨੀ ਦਾ ਇੱਕ ਹਿੱਸਾ ਹੈ ਕਿ ਜ਼ਿੰਦਗੀ ਜਿਹੜੀ ਹੈ ਇਬਾਂ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਪਾਈ ਤੇ ਪਾਈ ਕਿਉਂ ਵਜਨ ਨਹੀਂ ਕੀਤਾ ਤੇ ਕਿਉਂ ਨਹੀਂ ਕੀਤਾ ਇਹਦਾ ਕੋਈ ਸਵਾਲ ਜਵਾਬ ਨਹੀਂਗਾ ਡੀਅਰ ਵਨਸ ਦਾ ਡਾਇਰੀ ਵਿਚ ਹੀ ਹੈਸ ਗਿਵਨ ਟੂ ਅਸ ਇਜ਼ ਦੀ ਐਕਸਪ੍ਰੈਸ਼ਨ ਆਫ ਵਾਟ ਹੀ ਸੈਡ ਇਨ ਦਾ ਵਰਡਸ ਦ ਮੀਨਿੰਗ ਆਫ ਦਾ ਡਾਇਰੀ ਇਜ਼ ਥੈਟ ਵਾਈ ਡਿਡ ਵੀ ਹੈਵ so many faults in our life why did we make so many mistakes in this life and why didn't we do the meditation ha me pyareo mainu hafta par tuhade vich abhyas karke bada anand aaya tuhanu pata hai ke guru sikhda jo rishta hai eh prabhu parmatma ne khud jodya hai ਇਹ ਕਿਸੇ ਇਨਸਾਨ ਦਾ ਜੁੜਿਆ ਹੋਇਆ ਨਹੀਂ ਗੁਰੂ ਨਾਨਕ ਨੇ ਕਿਹਾ ਹੈ ਸੱਚਾ ਸਾਖ ਟੁੱਟਦਾ ਨਹੀਂ ਕਿਉਂਕਿ ਕਰਤਾਰ ਭਗਵਾਨ ਨੇ ਜੁੜਿਆ ਹੋਇਆ ਹੈ ਗੁਰੂ ਸਿੱਖ ਦਾ ਰਿਸ਼ਤਾ ਜਿਹੜਾ ਹੈ ਇਹ ਇੰਨਾ ਹੀ ਨਹੀਂ ਕਿ ਅਸੀਂ 2 ਦਿਨ ਮਿਲਨੇ ਫਿਰ ਭੁੱਲ ਗਏ ਪਿਆਰਿਓ ਗੁਰੂ ਕਦੇ ਵੀ ਨਾਮ ਦੇ ਕੇ ਆਪਦੀ ਪਿਆਰੀਆਂ ਆਤਮਾ ਨੂੰ ਭੁੱਲਦਾ ਨਹੀਂ ਹੁੰਦਾਗਾ ਗੁਰੂ ਨਾਨਕ ਨੇ ਕਿਹਾ ਸੀ ਪੁੱਲਣ ਅੰਦਰ ਸਭ ਕੋ ਉਪੁੱਲ ਗੁਰੂ ਕਰਤਾਰ ਪਿਆਰਿਓ ਦੋ ਤਾਕਤਾਂ ਹਨ ਜੋ ਉਪੁੱਲ ਹਨ ਜਿੰਨਾ ਆਤਮਾ ਨੂੰ ਨਾਮ ਦਿੰਦੇ ਹੈ ਪੁੱਲਣਾ ਤਾਂ ਕੀ ਸੀ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਨੂੰ ਵਿਸਾਰਦੇ ਵੀ ਨਹੀਂ ਦੂਰ ਨੇੜੇ ਮਾਤਾ ਦੇ ਬੱਚੇ ਨੂੰ ਵੀ ਉਹ ਜਿਆਦਾ ਸੰਭਾਲ ਕਰਦੇ ਹੈ ਇੱਥੋਂ ਤੱਕ ਆਪਦੇ ਸੇਵਕਾਂ ਵਾਸਤੇ ਹਮੇਸ਼ਾ ਅਰਦਾਸ ਕਰਦੇ ਹੈ ਗੁਰੂ ਗੋਬਿੰਦ ਸਿੰਘ ਨੇ ਕਿਹਾ ਸੀ ਸੁਖੀ ਵਸੇ ਮੋਰੋ ਪਰਵਾਰਾ ਸੇਵਕ ਸਿੱਖ ਸਵਾ ਕਰਤਾਰਾ ਹੇ ਭਗਵਾਨ ਜਿਨ੍ਹਾਂ ਨੂੰ ਮੈਂ ਨਾਮ ਦਿੱਤਾ ਹੈ ਇਹੀ ਮੇਰਾ ਪਰਿਵਾਰ ਹੈ ਇਹੀ ਮੇਰੀ ਫੈਮਿਲੀ ਹੈ ਇਹ ਸਾਰੇ ਸੁੱਖ ਚਾਰ ਦਿਨ ਜ਼ਿੰਦਗੀ ਦੇ ਸੁੱਖ ਦੇ ਵੀ ਕੱਢਣ ਔਰ ਨਾਮ ਜਪ ਕੇ ਇਹ ਆਦੀ ਆਤਮਾ ਨੂੰ ਵੀ ਸੁੱਖ ਸ਼ਾਂਤੀ ਦੇਣ ਸੋ ਡੀਅਰ ਵਨਸ ਆਈ ਐਨਜੋਇਡ ਮੈਡੀਟੇਟਿੰਗ ਵਿਦ ਆਲ ਆਫ ਯੂ ਥਿਸ ਪਾਸਟ ਵੀਕ ਐਂਡ ਯੂ نو that the relationship of the master with the disciple is made by lord almighty himself and it cannot be broken no power no one can break this relationship which has been formed between the disciple and the master because <coughs> it is not that after you go from here the relationship is over guru nanak sahib says that the true relation the true relationship never breaks because the creator himself has made this relation so <coughs> the masters always remember their disciples guru nanak sahib says that there are only two powers which do not forget anything one is lord almighty and another is the master everything else is forgetful but the master and lord almighty are not the forgetful ones after giving us the initiation they never forget us what to talk about forgetting us they never even go away from us they are always with us they always look at us and they always take care of us just like a mother takes care of the child in the same way the masters always take care of their disciples guru gobind singh had said that all the masters always make the prayers they always request to lord almighty for the well being of their disciples guru gobind singh had said that oh lord 
may all my disciples live in comfort and peace all the disciples all my family members they understand all the initiates whom they have initiated as their family members and that is why they always request they always pray to lord almighty that they are my family members and i wish i pray for them that they may live in this world whatever time they have in this world they may live comfortably they may live happily and also they would do the meditation of the shabad naam so that they may return to their real home there you Do you have a closing part on? I don't. Okay. You may sing. 218. The light of God has come. Everybody give congratulations. I am laughing heartily in telling everyone door to door. I am telling everyone door to door that the beautiful one has come. Today all the gods and goddesses are celebrating happiness and the fairies are singing about it. The whole world is congratulating happiness and is celebrating festivities in the home. The face can't help but smile. The brightness of the light is overwhelming. The glare is in my eyes. The friends are getting together and saying the divine light has come, being different from the world. A light has come in the home of Father Dukumsin and Mother Duladevi. His name is Pure Paul and he is a model for the world. He came and removed the darkness from the gates. I'm happy to reside in 16 p.m. The light of God has come. Everybody gives congratulations. I am laughing heartily and telling everyone door to door. I am telling everyone door to door that the beautiful one has come. सारे
Schedule change tomorrow. Right, schedule change Four to six now, I think. At six thirty, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. It'll take about an hour. It might take a little more, but there'll be meditation afterwards. Taurus, you want to mention about the restrictions on the uh, restrictions on instruction? Well. Said, no, she already did. You're not initiated, you know. Yeah, no, no one who is. Yeah, this is not. Um, it's, um, I don't have any authority, or Doris or Greg don't either, to lead them to anyone who is not already initiated. So, um, this is strictly a reminder and a what refresher course or whatever you want to call it for those who have already heard them but it is not a new thing for anybody. So please honor that. And if you're not initiated, I won't necessarily know, but um, you know, somebody will. And it won't be uh, 
you won't get anything from it. You can't get initiated that way. It's not. Initiation is what the Master does when he connects with you. The instructions make it easier to benefit from that. That's all. Anyway, I think everyone understands that. Okay. Thank you for a beautiful talk. Well, thank you. Thank you for your patient here. <laughs> <laughs>